Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. And the word I have for you today, y'all, I have to tell you, it's a little bit different. (laughs) This message is a little bit different than my typical kind of MO. My message today may actually even seem a little melancholy, which is not at all typical for me. I'm usually the guy who, as you know, likes to crack a whole bunch of jokes and, and make people smile. And because it's, it's, I believe that God invented humor. He did. Okay. He invented humor. So we have to laugh also, and we have to uh, certainly enjoy life. But this message, y'all, I, I, I give you what I get from the Lord. That's what, I, that's what I'll promise you. I'll give you what I get from the Lord. Uh, And this is what he gave me. So it's not meant to be melancholy, but it is meant to be introspective. This message today, I think, is going to be very introspective. It's a bit more more philosophical than typical for me. Um, I think that unintentionally, I did not start out to do this, but as the message unfolded in front of my computer screen, it struck me that this message really is a continuation of last week's message. Last week's message, which was the resurrection Shabbat in a very powerful, uh, I think, way that we could look at uh, the resurrection of Messiah. I think that this message today is in some ways a bit of a a continuation, and it's very, at least at the very least, it's very connected to that. But let the Lord speak to you as you think about what He has for you. The Lord has something for you here today, and for you watching online and listening to, via podcast. Amen. Okay, I want to talk about Moses. Moses. Wow, Moses. I I, I watched a little bit of the Ten Commandments a week and a half ago, and wow, boy, Moses, something else, man, Moses. David, how significant was Moses? I mean, come on, Moses was a heavyweight. Moshe, Moses, the Moses. It's almost impossible to overstate his significance in the scriptures. Really, both Old and New Covenant. I mean, Moses is, my kids would say, legend, right? In fact, uh, Maimonides, the Rambam, lists Moses within the 13 principles of Jewish faith as the foremost. So in traditional Judaism, there's a look at Moses as being the foremost. We know that Yeshua, of course, was greater than Moses, but, but still the, the point is, is that there's a centrality to our faith regarding Moses. That Moses is a central character in, in all of the Bible, okay? He is one of these central, one of the main characters. You all know what Moses did. We just had Passover, y'all. I hope you were paying attention. We read the Haggadah. Okay, 
the plagues, the exodus, you know, let my people go, you know, the whole thing. And the parting the Red Sea, you remember when Charlton Heston put the staff out there and the water all parted and it's unbelievable. And, you know, if, in any case, it, Moses was, wow, that guy was something else. In fact, he was so great. This is remarkable. I want you to listen to what happens when Moses died. Okay, well, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 34. Deuteronomy 34, please. Listen to what the scriptures say, what happened upon the death of this great one. Moses, Moses drawn out. Deuteronomy chapter 34. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 34, verse five says this. So Moses, the servant of Adonai died there in the land of Moab, Moab, as was from the mouth of Adonai. Uh, then he buried him in the valley in the land of Moab, opposite Beth Peor, but no one knows of his burial place to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not dim, nor his vigor gone. Let's skip two verses down to verse 10. Listen to this, y'all. There has not risen again a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom Adonai knew face to face with all the signs and wonders Adonai sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and all his servants and all his land by the strong hand and great awe that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. Wow, wow. Man, how great was Moses? Moses was something else. I want you to notice something that is, that to me is a, scripture says that who buried Moses? God buried Moses. Woo. Man, that gives me chills. Richard, I think about that, and I think about Moses, and it says, then he, being God, buried him in the valley in the land of Moab. Wow. How, how heavy a hitter do you have to be for God to be the one to bury you? What a leader. It says, there's not risen again a prophet in Israel like Moses. Adonai knew face to face. Unbelievable. <laughs> Not to be too gloomy, but <laughs> I was recently reflecting about funerals I've conducted. I told you this one was going to be a little bit of a different message. It is. I was reflecting on funerals that I've conducted. It's interesting. I, I went back and I have a file in my computer with the funerals. And, and I've now conducted over 55 funerals. That's a lot of funerals. I remember the first few that I did. I was very nervous. <laughs> Which you would expect. I mean, if you think about it, it's pretty intense time for people. 
And I remember the first few that I did, I was nervous also because, also because there are a good many number of traditions that the rabbi or the pastor conducts as part of a whole funeral thing that I had not done before. There are a number of very distinct things that are expected of the rabbi or pastor. You all, you all know this. You all have experienced this. You all know how sometimes you can read the Bible, you can read a, a particular verse, and you can reread a verse over and over and over again. You can even read a verse dozens and dozens of times, and then unexpectedly, you see something new. Right? Has that happened to you? It happens to me all the time. It really does. It's, it's absolutely amazing how that can happen. Uh, and it's like, wow, boy, I hadn't really seen that before. And it's really a revelation uh, from the scriptures. Well, actually, I was conducting a funeral not too long ago. And, uh, and there's this part of my role as the efficient rabbi, okay, the one who conducts the service, right? There's, there's, a, there's a part of my role. And I've done this many, many, many times. Many, many, many times. But this time, as I was doing it, this time as I was conducting the funeral and as I was doing this particular part of the funeral, which I had done dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of times, it was like something just clicked in me. And uh, the, the Lord taught me something new. It was a little strange because it was actually right in the midst of the whole funeral and the Lord just kind of spoke to me about something that was part of the funeral that I had done many times, uh, but I had never really seen before, kind of like the scripture thing we were talking about. And it just kind of hit me, and the Lord downloaded some things into me. And, I, and, I, and I'll tell you what it is. Specifically, typically, uh, each time, and again, this is just, I, I, I'm giving you what I got, y'all. Each time when there's a funeral, each time the coffin is moved, every time the coffin is moved in a funeral, generally speaking, typically, only one person goes before the coffin when the coffin is moved. And that person is me, the rabbi. So when the coffin's in the back and then they, they roll the coffin into the sanctuary for, for, the, for the funeral itself, I lead it in. It's me and then the, the coffin of the deceased, of the loved one, and then the family. After the funeral service itself, when the coffin leaves the sanctuary to the hearse, I lead it out. And when the coffin arrives at the cemetery and they unload it with the pallbearers and such, and they all pull the coffin out of the hearse and they're getting ready to walk it up to the cemetery itself, to the gravesite, only I walk ahead of it, leading the coffin in the procession 
to the place of burial. I got to tell you, honestly, it's a strange feeling. Just very vulnerably. It's, it's, it's a strange feeling. You're very alone in that moment, in those moments. I'll tell you that. Uh, people are just, you know, you walk into the sanctuary and you, you have the people stand and people are all just watching, man. In a, a funeral, you know, listen, at a wedding, people are celebrating. We had a bar mitzvah. We had a bat mitzvah a week or two ago. People just celebrate. People are rejoicing. It's a lot of fun. It's a baby dedication is great. Man, a funeral, something different. And people are just like, my, I remember my dad, when he was teaching me about how to do a funeral, he said, son, when you do a funeral, people are hanging on every word. Choose your words incredibly carefully. And it's, it's, it's intense time for people. Understandably. Understandably. Walking in front, leading the coffin. It's such an interesting thing. I've done it many times, but of course, yes, I know that in Luke chapter 16, it tells us that Angels accompany those who die into their eternal rest. I'm aware of that. And I'm aware of Hebrews 1 that says that angels are sent to serve those who are about to inherit salvation. Scriptures tell us this. And that's a blessing. So, so I think that I, I did a whole bunch of research on this and could find very little. Although it's a long-standing tradition, both within Christianity and Judaism, so, so part of this role in leading the, the, the coffin in and out and wherever it's going, part of this role is surely symbolic of the angels leading the loved one into the presence of the Lord. And for that, I say, hey, fair enough. You know, what a blessing that is. At the same time, by the time that they make it to the funeral, that person is already with the Lord, Okay, they're already there at that point. That's, that's the truth of the matter. But recently, when I was doing this, the Lord just quickened me because in leading this procession, and it's a procession, right? In leading this procession, I was meant to be representative of what we as believers should be doing in our own lives. What am I talking about? Let's get into it. Let's go to Joshua chapter 1. Listen to the amazing words that God told Yehoshua. You know, the name's Joshua and... Yeshua are very related. Uh, Yeshua and then Joshua in Hebrew is Yehoshua. Very similar. Listen to the amazing words that God told Joshua, especially given, remember all that we read about Moses, about how great he was. It's really important that you remember that and keep it in context. That's why I read it first, Every, all this incredible stuff about Moses. Now we go to Joshua, who was, of course, 
Moses' protege and successor. Joshua chapter one, verse one, it says, now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of Adonai, that Adonai spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, saying, this is God talking here, my servant Moses is dead, so now arise, you and all these people, cross over this Jordan to the land I am giving to them, to B'nai Israel, the children of Israel. Skipping to verse five. No one will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Chazak, be strong, for you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their fathers to give them. Wow. Wow. Whew, man. Remember what we read earlier, right? Moses was pretty close to the top rung. <laughs> But his time was done. Moses, as great a leader as he was, his time was done and it was time for someone new to stand up for what's right and true. See, what struck me as I, as I led in this deceased loved one which is what I, one of the things that I do, right? It struck me as I led in this deceased loved one who was faithful to the Lord, it struck me that I wasn't necessarily Joshua per se, but that I was representing the Joshua that all of us are called to be. I was representing what all of us who are Ma'amanim, who are believers in Moshiach, are called to be. It doesn't matter how great the Moses, plural, it doesn't matter how great the Moses were that passed before us. It is now our time, your time, to lead others into spiritual truths, into the light. So, yes, my role, right, at, at such occasions, my role is to direct the funeral, right, and show people where to stand and, and when to sit, and for sure, there's a practical element to it. There is. But listen to this. Really listen to this. And it really struck me as I was reflecting on it, and wow, it was, a, it was an eye-opener. Because at a funeral even, as you know, there are lots of people who don't even know God who come to a, somebody's funeral. 
but typically they're not the one up there. And typically they're not the one leading the casket. The deeper meaning is that in times of our greatest sorrow, one who knows the spiritual path should be the one honoring the deceased and leading the community into right relationship with God. And at the end of the day, preparing them for such a time as this. But beloved, (laughs) with all due respect to me, (laughs) it's not about me. Because each of you should purpose within yourselves to be someone who knows the spiritual path and helps to lead the rest of the community into right relationship with God. This is part of all of our role. In other words, this is, this is kind of the, one of the aha moments, hopefully, of this message. In other words, and, and, and the what's in it for you and how does this relate to you? In other words, symbolically, any of you should be able to step in and lead the funeral procession and all that it symbolizes. Any of you should be able to. There's a beauty and a symmetry to this. If we understand a little bit of the meaning, these these are deep, deep things for us to think about. This is not surface stuff. And what truth should we be leading people toward? What truth should we be leading our community toward? that we have hope in Yeshua. First Thessalonians, please, chapter four. That we have hope in Yeshua. If you are a follower of Messiah, you know of something, how interesting it is, how interesting it is that those who know that path, that spiritual path, are the ones who everyone is looking toward in the moment of greatest need. But that should not be just me, that should be all of us. Because we have the hope. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. 
says, Now we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who are asleep, so that you may not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Yeshua died and rose again, so with him, God will also bring those who have fallen asleep in Yeshua. Verse 18, therefore encourage one another with these words. See, friends, we have hope. We have hope because we know that Yeshua provides our atonements. We have hope for that reason. Our grieving is different. It doesn't mean that we don't grieve, brothers and sisters. We grieve. And it's important to grieve. But our grieving is different, as the word says. And really, it's not just about our grieving. Our our whole lives and our expressions, our lives should be different. They should be different if we have this hope in Messiah. This is why it was like, wow, this is tying to last week. If we have this hope in Messiah, it should color everything about our lives, how we conduct ourselves. Our lives should be different. Friends, you don't have to be in full-time ministry to lead others to the truth. We should live our lives as an example of this truth. We should live our lives in a way that our priorities, let me put this in in a second person terms. You should live your life in such a way that your priorities clearly reveal what you think is really important. Do you get that? You should live your lives in a way that it's clear that your priorities clearly reveal what you think is really important. That should be who we are. That, that it's not even always what we say to people, although that's important too. But it's just important how we live our lives. Your day-to-day life, how you communicate with other people, what you do. That, that in and of itself should be demonstrative. The choices that you make should demonstrate what you think is really important. This is one of the reasons why I emphasize things such as regular Shabbat attendance, going to your Chavarah, Tuesday night scripture study attendance, right? It's, it's not because I think that merely being in this building is some kind of a panacea. It's not that. But our faithfulness is an indicator of what we value and think is important. See, that's an external sign by our actions of what we really think is important and what we really think is not that important. So we can talk all we want about how much we love God, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what we say. 
What matters is what we do. You understand. And, and the same is true with your prayer life. It's not just about where you are here or this building or how people see or something. It's not about that at all. It's also about your personal prayer life. Are you living out what you really claim is important? It's about how you show love to other people. It's about if we put others above ourselves. It's about if we overlook offense. You hear me? All these things demonstrate what we really think is important. If we seek to serve. This, all this stuff demonstrates to others what is really important. And in doing so, when you do these things, if you truly value these things, and if you truly think that they are important, and you truly do them, let me tell you what you're doing. You're leading the procession. Beloved, we lead the funeral procession with hope because we know where the funeral procession is truly going. So as the passage says, we should encourage one another with these words. At the same time, as we are called to lead our communities in the ways of the Lord, we also have to be mindful to pass on what we have learned to the next generation that comes after us, amen? We have to have and demonstrate a selfless spirit because when we do, <laughs> and let us all say, amen. The people on the stream have no idea. <laughs> Somebody's Bible app just started reading in a great voice. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, I said, uh, I start off by saying, this message is just not funny like I typically like to do. And the Lord said, well, I'll add a little humor in there. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Uh. When we do have that selfless spirit and when we do pass it on to the next generation, it works. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 34 because earlier when I was reading the verses in Deuteronomy that lauded Moses, remember I started off the whole thing, the whole message. I started off with those verses from Deuteronomy that just talking about the greatness of, of Moses when he died. And it, it was God really talking about some of the greatness of Moses. And remember, there's never been anybody like Moses. And with Moses, God speaks face to face. And Moses this, Moses that. 
we read all those verses. Remember, we read them just a few minutes ago. What a great man. There's never been a prophet in Israel like Moses. Okay, when I read that passage, if you, may, if you might remember, I skipped two verses. I made a point of mentioning I'm going to skip two verses. Okay, I want to read those two verses now. Deuteronomy 34, verse 8. Right in the midst of everything great being said about Moses, it says this, B'nai Yisrael, the children of Israel, wept for Moses in the plains of Moab, 30 days, then the days of weeping, mourning for Moses were ended. Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So B'nai Yisrael listened to him and did just as Adonai had commanded Moses. Friends, one of the things that made Moses so great is that he laid his hands on Joshua. That's one of the things that made Moses so great. In other words, as I was reflecting on it, in other words, although Moses had conducted way more than 55 funerals, (laughs) and had led the community in right relationship with God, he yet knew that his greatest legacy would be passing it down. And although Israel would rebel all too often in the future, Moses' legacy was established in Joshua and in the words of the Torah that we follow even today. Even we are following in the footsteps of Moses. But then God said to Joshua, it's your turn. Listen to the Lord, beloved. If you are in here and still breathing, It's your turn. Each of the 55 funerals that I've conducted have been very meaningful to me. I was talking about Bill earlier. I could go one by one. I went through it just this week. I was just reflected on each person. And wow. Each of the 55 funerals I've done have been meaningful to me. I I spend a a great deal of time when I need to prepare for a funeral. That said, on a few occasions, very few, very few occasions, I've conducted funeral for other leaders who themselves I am aware, had conducted funerals. And I got to tell you, Missy, your mind just goes, you know, when you think about that. Man, when I was in those situations, your mind just churns. And it strikes me that one day, 
Should the Lord tarry? Some rabbi will lead me into the cemetery. And yes, we are believers and are going to heaven. But when that time comes for me, or when that time comes for you, the question is, have we helped lead our community into right relationship with God? It doesn't need to be a whole nation like Moses. You don't have, even have to be Joshua or even a rabbi. But are we, are you clearly making an effort in this regard with whoever God does put in your sphere of influence? Because all of us are called to lead the funeral procession to the truth. Because remember this, beloved, one day that grave will open again. That's the truth. The title of my message is the procession. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. If you've never dedicated your life to God, never given your life to God, never committed your life to the Lord, never received Yeshua as your Messiah, but you'd like to today, raise your hand and we'll pray together. That's you, and you've never done so before, but you'd like to just lift your hand and we'll pray. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're watching online or listening on the podcast, and you've never said a prayer to receive Yeshua as your Messiah. Repeat this simple prayer after me God will change you, He will change your eternal destination. Say, Dear God, I humble myself before you, I accept Yeshua into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. In Yeshua's name. Mm. If you said that prayer, it's the best prayer you've ever prayed, that's for sure. And your eternal destination is assured. Please let us know. We'd love to celebrate with you. If you're here with us in the room, please see me after the service. If you're online, just send us an email. We want to rejoice. But Lord, help us. Help us all, God. As I think about those moments and as I think about those, those times where I would lead, lead that procession and everybody is kind of looking to me for hope. They're really not looking to me. They're looking to the one who sent me. Lord, let us all remember that you sent all of us, not just the rabbi, 
you sent all of us, Lord, to help lead our community into the truth, into, into being right standing. And you want us to lead them to the hope, the hope that we have in Messiah Yeshua. God, I pray that we live our lives as an example in that area in our personal lives. Lord, help us to not be distracted by this world and even important things, but not that important. Help us stay focused on what's most important and let that guide our decisions and our choices and our priorities and our decisions. Thank you, oh God. Thank you, Lord. We love you with all of our heart. I bless you for this, which is kind of an unusual word for me in this way, but Lord, I pray that you spoke to your children here. You spoke to me. I thank you for this, God. We love you with all of our heart. In Yeshua's name we ask. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethhalel.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and shalom. Nine, 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 nine.